We're going to be in uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 again, if you didn't know that. And, uh, you know, you might have thought almost that you had the week off last week because we were talking really specifically to the elders. And uh, this morning talking about pride has got us all covered. All right, so uh, just, just be ready. Um, so interesting in here, it's going to say that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And we're going to see that pride and humility are polar opposites, like oil and water. You put them in a bottle and shake them up, they're going to separate because they are uh, nothing alike. And uh, pride puts us in opposition to God, but humility opens up the channel of God's grace in our lives. And so um, looking forward to looking at this together this morning. Maybe uh, you've heard of, uh, about the, the clever salesman, and he, uh, he closed hundreds of sales with this line, and I know there's a bunch of salespeople out here. I won't tell them, Mike, which one I thought of when I, when I read this, but the salesman would say, let me show you something that several of your neighbors said you couldn't afford. <laughs> the salesman was counting on pride to make the sale for him. Um, Benjamin Franklin said, th- said this, perhaps, there is perhaps no one of our natural passions so hard to subdue as pride. Beat it down, stifle it, mortify it as much as one pleases, it is still alive. Even if I could conceive that I had completely overcome it, I would probably be proud of my humility. It's a, it's a, this is a tough subject, you know, to, to deal with pride in our life. Like, how do you even know if you've dealt with it or not? Is it pride to think that you're making some ground and being less prideful? Um, the, the, the Bible actually says this is one of the sins that God lists that he hates. God hates pride. Uh, and maybe because the very first sin was Lucifer, who thought, man, I'm beautiful. Uh, man, I'm so... Um, uh, winsome, and I could be like God. And that's what he wanted to do. That was, his, uh, that was his goal. I will be like the Most High, is what Lucifer said. And so God hates pride. And so let's read these verses together, and, and, uh, and we'll look at it. First Peter 5, verses 5 through 7. It says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Heavenly Father, what, uh, what powerful truths in, in the, these scripture verses this morning. And Uh, Lord, we want to take note of something that you tell us in your word that you hate and that you oppose. Lord, we don't want to have anything to do with that. And yet, uh, I admit, Lord, that's just something I deal with every day, my pride. Uh, And Lord, so help us to understand what pride is and how we can um, trade our pride for humility and how we can have the right perspective of who we are and who you are and where our place in this world is. And Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, it starts out continuing from last week. We, last week we were looking at some instructions that Peter was giving to the elders of the church. And so um, it, he says here as he's continuing, he's saying, likewise you who are younger, 
Be subject to the elders. Submit yourself to the elders, to the ones that God has placed in charge uh, of, of this body, we are to submit ourselves to. And uh, when, we, when we read something like this, this, we're talking about a specific instruction. We have some general instructions in scripture, uh, love one another, that's for everyone. But for, the, for this, and we've got a, a great looking group of young people towards the back, and there were other ones, they stood up with their, their creatures of habits shirts on. Specifically, this is for you, but even those who are, myself, I feel like I'm still younger than, than many, submit yourself to the elders. It says to, in my translation here says to be subject to the elders. This is, um, this is a, an imperative command. Fall into line. Like, that's, that's a hard thing to do sometimes, right? We want to go our own way. We want to make our own decisions. We want to have our own say. We want to make, our, uh, make, our, make something of ourselves. But the scripture says when it comes to church life, we are to submit ourselves to our elders. It's a, it's a, there's a sense of urgency. It's like, do it now. Don't procrastinate. Just do it. And it's a voluntary thing. It doesn't say, elders, subject your church members underneath you, right? It says that the younger are to subject themselves. It is a voluntary, willing uh, action. We would choose to do it because this is God's order of things that we would submit ourselves to those who are elder. So if, uh, if for, for a proud person, that's hard, right? For someone that thinks they know better, it can be a very difficult thing. If we have humility, be a much easier thing to do. And so that's why I think Peter continues, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. So the younger are to subject themselves to the elders, but all of us are to clothe ourselves with humility. So we talked about last week, Jesus in the upper room, he, he would have taken off his outer robe and he would have put a towel uh, around his waist when he went to wash the disciples' feet. And when, when someone was, was, had the towel around their waist, this, it, was like, uh, it was like the servant putting their uniform on. If you were wearing the towel around the waist, you were the servant. You held the lowly position. And so Peter says, clothe yourself. Wear, wear the white towel of a servant. In your mind, consider yourself as the servant not as the one to be served. That's what Jesus said. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. And this is the, this is the mental um, uh, perspective that we are to put on each day. We put it on because it's not natural for us. We have to get up in the morning and say, okay, Lord, help me to be humble this morning. We need to prepare ourselves to walk in humility, to be humble to one another. Now, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Oh, I'm no good. I can't do it. They're better than me. That's not, uh, that's not a humble attitude. Uh, having a humble attitude is just thinking of yourself less. You know, I don't have to be the one that's first. I don't have to be the one that's being served. I don't have to be the one being catered to. When we are humble, we just think of ourselves less. What I want, what my desires are not so important. I am looking towards the desires of others. So uh, Peter, or Peter says that we are to be subject to our elders. We are to clothe ourselves with this humility. It's, uh, uh, this word is indicating a lowliness of mind. 
uh, that we're not, we're not high and exalted, but we're just, we're, we're, we're common. We're just regular people. We don't, there's nothing about me as Jeff Oliver that uh, puts me on a, on a pedestal that means that I should be treated differently than everyone else. We put on this attitude of humility towards everyone. Towards everyone. Doesn't matter if it's one of the pastors or if it's one of the little kids, uh, if, it's a, if it's your boss, you're an employee, husband and wife, we are to put on a mind of humility. I'm not better than anyone, mind towards everyone. Specifically, younger to the elders, but all of us to each other. This wasn't a popular command uh, when Peter wrote it. Now, it's not real popular right now because we like, we're creatures of habit, but we're also creatures of comfort, right? We want to be comfortable. We want to be catered to so much of the time. But interestingly, in the first century, the Romans nor the Greeks, neither one of them even had a word for humility in their vocabulary. It was so, it was such a contrary thought. Um, they, were, they were looking to, um, they, they prized strength and power and ability and, and capability. And so the idea of being humble, it was like, what is even that? So the, the, um, the Christians of a day had this word humility. And so if a, if a Roman or a Greek used this word humility, it would be like a derogatory term. Uh, they would speak condescendingly of this. So uh, in our culture today, we consider humility as a virtue, a noble virtue, because it's not easy to attain it. Uh, we don't like it all the time, but it is a virtue in our culture. In the, for Peter's readers, it was, it was like not even to be considered. It wasn't even something that you would think it would be worth your time at all, and yet Peter's calling them to it. He's calling uh, us to this idea of humility. And of course, it's the example that Jesus set for it. And in Philippians chapter 2, um, we, get a, we get a picture. He says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can have this mind because it was the mind of Jesus. And it says, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. It's humility. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. He left heaven and all its glory, and he came to earth in the form of a man. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so to be humble is to follow Christ's example. He had all the authority, all the power, all of the rights, all of the privileges and he said, I don't need that. I will humble myself. I'll take on a lowly human form and I will uh, make it my life's ambition to serve others. And when we do that, it puts us in a position to receive the grace of God in our lives. Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God gives us favor when we humble ourselves. Isn't that what we want? Who wants the favor of God in their life? We need to humble ourselves. And, and the, the truth of the matter is, when we came to Christ, we came to him in humility. We recognized that we were a sinner. A proud person doesn't do that. 
We recognize that there was nothing we could do to be good enough to get into heaven. A proud person doesn't do that. We acknowledge that, there, that, uh, that Jesus died for us and that his sacrifice on the cross for us was sufficient. We had to humble ourselves to come to Christ. So the call in this verse is to continue to live out our Christian life with the same humility. In humility, we are to serve one another, and in our humility, we will receive the grace of God in our lives. There's a good example um, of God opposing the proud but giving grace to the humble in the Old Testament, uh, King Uzziah in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And this chapter kind of gives an account of the, it's a brief overview of the life of King Uzziah. And it, and it will tell us that he was, uh, in verse 3 it says, Uzziah was 16 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name uh, was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. So young king, 16 years old, his father died, he got put on the throne, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 5 says, he set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. He humbly did what was right, he, he humbly sought the counsel of Zechariah, he humbly um, recognized his position before God and God made him prosper in all that he does. So the, the chapter goes on and, it, and it's a good chapter to read, Second Chronicles chapter 26. It lists all of his exploits. It lists uh, the things that he was able to build, uh, the wells that he dug, the number of men that he, he uh, had in his army and the, the battles that he won. And, and um, an accomplished king, he was a good king, he followed the Lord. But then later in the chapter, it says this, But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. God opposes the proud. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So Uzziah was the king. He tried to take the role of the priest as well and went into the temple to to do some sacrifices. And uh, the the, the chapter tells us 80 priests, 8-0, 80 priests opposed him, tried to convince him, this is a bad idea, don't do it, you're, you're, this is dangerous, this is not where you belong, you're the king, we're the priests, let us be the priests, you be the king. And he, in his pride, he continued on, and the Lord opposed him, struck him with leprosy. And it says he lived out the rest of his days in isolation because of his pride. God opposes the pride but gives grace to the humble. So I'm not suggesting that if we um, live a prideful life this week, we will be struck with leprosy. But the teaching is clear that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. When we try to self-promote, when we try to overemphasize our importance, when we refuse to admit that we're wrong, we are in opposition to God. There's a story of a preacher, and uh, this might give some insight into why Sarah wanted to start uh, taking care of chickens last year. It says the preacher found a shoebox in his closet. He opened the box and he found five eggs and $10,000. 
He thought, this is kind of odd. So he, uh, he asked, his, his wife came in, he said, hey, what's up with this? I found this shoebox, five eggs, $10,000. And she said, well, yes, um, after we got married, I decided that um, if you preached a sermon and it was a bad one, I'd put an egg in the box. So the preacher was, he was, think, he was feeling pretty good about himself. He's thinking, I've been preaching a long time. We've been married a long time. Five eggs in the box. So he said, well, what about the money? $10,000. And she said, oh, well, every time I get a dozen, I sell the eggs and put the money in the box. <laughs> I'm going to be looking for that shoebox. <laughs> Vacation money. But when we are... When we are proud, we elevate ourselves. When we're proud, we have uh, an overestimation of our abilities and how much people like us and, and our capabilities. We have this attitude, it can grow into an attitude of contempt and, and, and haughtiness. I'm better than them, and I'm better than them, and oh, I'm glad I'm not them. There's uh, three, if, you take, if you're taking notes, I got three pitfalls of pride. These attitudes that we get, that if you have these attitudes, might indicate pride in your life. When we convince ourselves, I have to take care of myself. Now, that's a true statement, right? We all got dressed this morning, probably cleaned up, took a shower, ate some breakfast. We have to take care of ourselves. We have to earn income, roof over our heads. Those things are all true. But if we find ourselves in a position that we don't have time for other people, because I have to take care of myself, we might be dealing with pride. Philippians chapter two says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. If we have no time for other people because we're taking care of ourselves, it could be an issue of pride in our lives. I identify very easily with number two. I'm not the problem, right? The flip side of that is everyone else is the problem. Matthew says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but don't notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? 1 John 1 verse 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. This idea that I'm not wrong or that there, it, it's not my problem, everybody else is wrong. I don't know why you have a, an issue with this, There's, it's no big deal. We might be dealing with pride in our lives. Ask Sarah about that, she, she will, well she wouldn't do that to me. Ask me about it. I'm, I've confessed it to you. This is the, that's an area of pride in my life. I don't like to admit that I'm wrong. Uh, the third one, I don't need God. Of course, we're here at church this morning, right? So who would say, I don't need God? But when, we are, when we're prideful, when we say, I'm just taking care of myself, I'm never wrong, what are we saying? Don't worry, God, I've got this. Of course, we wouldn't say it because we're good Christians. Psalm 10 verse 4 says, In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. 
Or some translations would say, in all his thoughts, there is no room for God. But John would say this, quoting Jesus, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anything, any good thing that we do is not because we're capable and we're competent and we had the idea to be kind and to be loving and to be generous. It's because God's at work in us. And if we want to take credit for ourselves, we might be dealing with pride. I'll just throw out a few other ones. Arrogance, self-promotion, a lack of giving, selfish attitude, you don't want to take advice, bragging, Inability to receive a compliment, all indications of pride in our life. I said this one was for everyone. So what should we do? What's our response? We don't want to live in this. We recognize that it's there. We don't like that it's there. So what is our correct response before God? Verse 6 tells us, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time, he may exalt you. Humble yourself, bring yourself low before God. Peter's indicating here that we have the option of doing that. uh, Not Hezekiah, Uzziah had the option of staying humble, but he chose to become proud, and when he became proud, God humbled him. Peter says, humble yourself, under the mighty hand of God. Bring yourself low. We can be proactive in that. So how do we do that? Three habits of humility. Number one, acknowledge God in everything. Just take a minute to recognize where God is involved in your life. Jesus said, apart from him, you can do nothing. So the things that you're able to do is because God's allowed you to do it. Psalm Psalm chapter 8 Verses three and four says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful in him and the son of man that you care for him? When we look at the world, who are are we? But God cares about each one of us. So we have the chance to humble ourselves before him. We recognize his greatness. We recognize his goodness. We recognize his awesomeness in the song this morning. We exalt God. That's a habit of humility. Number two, confess and repent of pride. This is where I get into trouble, right? I'm not wrong. It wasn't my fault. Well, they should have, right? We have to confess and repent of pride. Romans 12 verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. New Living Translations, same verse says, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. We need to confess our pride before God. Habit number three of humility, practice thankfulness. 
right? First Thessalonians in chapter five says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. When we are thankful, we are more likely to be humble. When we're thankful, we are recognizing the greatness of God and the lowliness of who we are. Not in a, in a, in a self-abasing kind of attitude, but just reality. God is great, we're human. And when we have the right perspective of God, and when we, um, <clears throat> when we confess and repent of our pride, we have a thankful attitude. Uh, John Flavel said this, they, know, they that know God will be humble, and they that know themselves cannot be proud. Know who God is, know who we are, it helps in being humble. So it says to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Jesus said, or the Bible says that Jesus, after his resurrection and the ascension, he went up and he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. Uh, we have scripture in the Old Testament that talks about the hand of God. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Fear not for I am with you. Be not dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God's not speaking those words to a proud person. Those words are for the humble person. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that in the proper time he may exalt you. When Moses and the Israelites had left Egypt, uh, they came up to the Red Sea, they, they, God opened the sea for them, they crossed, the Egyptian army was swallowed up. They sang a song to the Lord and part of that song says, your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power, your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Commentator John Gill said, the right hand of God guards and protects his people, supports and supplies them, comforts and strengthens their hearts. We can humble ourselves because God has a mighty right hand. He takes care of us with his hand. And at the proper time, God will... I want to misquote. At the proper time, God may exalt you. It's not a promise that if you are humble, you will be exalted, but if you are proud, you will not. I could tell you that. It's God is the one who, who raises up and takes down, and we're, we're foolish to think that we are accomplishing on our own, and our success depends on ourselves, and our success depends on our abilities, and our success depends on us alone. It's God that works in us and works through us and gives us the talents and the abilities. It's he, he's the one that exalts. He is the one uh, that humbles. In our pride, we don't want to let anybody in. In our pride, we say, I can take care of myself. Uh, I don't need anyone. I'm, never, I'm not wrong. It's all, it, it was them. And ultimately, in our pride, what we're saying is, I don't need Jesus. The verse says God opposes that person. God opposes the proud. We don't receive God's grace and God won't exalt us. But God does give honor and dignity to the humble. 
right? That's what the proud person is seeking after. They want to be honored. They want to be dignified. They want to be elevated. And the scripture says, if we humble ourselves, that God will do that. Verse 7 is a, is, a, is a wonderful verse, probably something you've memorized, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. But the, the context here is humility. A proud person doesn't need to cast his cares on Jesus because the proud person is taking care of himself. But in our humility, that brings us to a position where we cast our cares on Jesus. Because he cares for us. This, this word, uh, maybe your translation says anxieties, maybe it says cares. But it's literally the things that you are dealing with that are tearing you apart. They're the things in your life that are pulling you in different directions. We give these things to God because he cares for us. So this, this morning, if you're cared for your, if you're concerned for your children or grandchildren, you can cast those cares on Jesus. Worried about your finances, we can put those worries on Jesus. Anxious because of conflict or difficult personal relationships, we can give those anxieties to Jesus. It says to cast them on Jesus. So it doesn't say set them down. You know, just leave them for a while. Maybe come back later, pick them back up when you need to worry about something. It says, put them on Jesus. But Jesus wants to carry our worries. He wants to carry our concerns. He wants to carry our anxieties. His promise is to never leave us nor forsake us. So he doesn't say, I will remove you from the circumstance, but he says, I will carry your cares. I will carry your worries. I will carry your anxieties. We have to acknowledge to do that. We have to acknowledge we're not in control. Our pride wants to hold on to the control. Humility says, I'm not in control. Jesus, I'm giving this care to you. We have to put our trust in him. Like if we, if we don't trust Jesus, we're saying, I don't, I, don't, I don't trust you. I can take care of this. I don't trust you with it. That's why I'm worried this morning. That's why I've got this anxiety. That's why I'm not giving it to you, God, because I don't trust you with it. You say, oh, I trust Jesus with everything. We, we have to, we, Jesus didn't promise to take us out of our circumstance, but he promised that he would be there with us. He, said, he promises that if we cast our cares on him, he will carry them for us. Because he cares for us. Uh, Psalm 55. If you've got a care, if you've got a worry, if you've got a burden that you're carrying, Psalm 55. Jot, down, jot that down. Read it this afternoon. I'm going to read a few verses. It says, My heart is, a, is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling have come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away, I would lodge in the wilderness, Salah. I would hurry to find a shelter away from the raging wind and tempest. And that our attitude sometimes when we have worries, we have cares, we have anxiety, we've got concerns, we just think, man, if I could just get out of here. 
If I could just leave this all behind. But this is the psalmist's conclusion later in the chapter. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Didn't say he'll take away the, the circumstance, but he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Why is that? Because he cares for us. He cares for you. He cares for me. He cares for about the things that we are dealing with this morning. Broken relationships, financial difficulty, uncertain future. God cares about those things. And he says, put those cares on me and I'll carry them. Exodus chapter 3, uh, when, when God was revealing himself to Moses, the people of Israel, of course, were enslaved. They were in bondage. They were in a, a terrible predicament. This is what God said to Moses. I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. God sees us in the situation that we're in this morning. When we pray to him and we tell him about what we're dealing with and and what our concerns are, what our cares are, what we're stressed out about, he hears our prayer and he knows our sufferings. He knows what we're dealing with us, dealing with because he cares for us. We can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. Our, our tendency and our desire and our, our pride tells us, no, we got to hold on to this. We're just a little bit longer. We can take care of this. And the scripture says, no, give it to Jesus because he cares for you. And our pride will never do it. But in our humility, when we recognize who we are, the limitations of our, of our humanness, when we recognize that God loves us, that in his grace and his mercy, he sent his son for us, he's the one who created the world. When we humble ourselves before him, we're in a position where we can give him our cares. We can have confidence that he cares for us. So we're going to close this morning. If you would bow your heads, close your eyes. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to humble yourself before the Lord. That's what the scripture says. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. The call is that we would willingly bring ourselves low, that we'd put on this mind of humility towards one another, but also, first of all, before God. Pastor Daryl's going to close us with a, with a song this morning. But I want to just give each and every one of us the opportunity just to confess to the Lord our pride. We would confess to the Lord that, we, that at, at times we don't acknowledge God. We think that, we're, that we're, we can do it on our own. Uh, at times... We have this attitude, not maybe not in our, not the words on our mouth wouldn't say it, but our attitudes and our, the way we live would indicate we, we don't think we need God, that we could do it on our own. We have this idea that it's not, I'm not the problem, it's everyone else is the problem. 
We have this idea that I just, it, I don't have time to, to, to serve. I don't have time to care about other people because I have to take care of myself. All things of pride, Lord. We confess those things to you this morning, God. Lord, I ask that you would help us to see where you're at work. Help us to see uh, your goodness. Help us to see your might and your power and your awesomeness so that we would acknowledge you as God, that we would acknowledge ourselves as, as sinners, that we need you. We needed you for salvation, but we need you every day because apart from you, we can do nothing. And so uh, this morning, Lord, we just acknowledge that we, we, we deal with pride. And holding on to cares and anxieties and worries, not, not turning them over to you, not, uh, not committing ourselves to you in the circumstances that we're in, it's evidence of our pride. And when we, when we say, Lord, we need you. Lord, we can't do this on our own. Lord, I want to serve you, but I need you to even be able to do that. You've got to give me the strength to do that. This is, a, this is the mind of humility that you call us to. And so, Lord, I ask that you would give us humble uh, spirits this morning before you. Uh, Lord, I, and I pray that as we're gathered here, if we've got cares, that we've got worries, we've got stress, that we would uh, turn those things over to you this morning. We would say, Lord, I can't, I've been trying God, but I can't do it, and I need you to do it for me because I can't do it on my own. Lord, you say in your word that uh, in Isaiah, this is the one whom I look for, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Lord, I pray and ask that you would give us a humble and contrite spirit this morning. Lord, I pray that as we, as we sing this song together, if there's someone here this morning that needs to pray with someone, uh, that needs to humble themselves and just in an act of humility, just walk to the front to say, Lord, I need you in my life. Lord, I have a tendency towards pride, but I acknowledge uh, that I am nothing without you. Would you work in me? Maybe you, you need to uh, humble yourselves before the Lord just to admit your pride by walking up here this morning. Maybe you need to humble yourselves and say, Lord, I'm carrying cares and concerns, but I want to give them to you. I invite you as we sing this song together this morning to come to the front and just give it to the Lord. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can cast our cares on you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for caring for us. Thank you for um, sending your son to die for us. Lord, I pray that as we uh, humble ourselves this morning, uh, that you would give us the strength to carry out the things that you have for us. Lord, thank you that you see us through every circumstance. Lord, I pray that we would acknowledge you as God and we would acknowledge ourselves as human and we would humble ourselves before you. Lord, thank you that you uh, exalt those who humble themselves. Lord, thank you that uh, you give your strength for us when we humble ourselves. Lord, thank you that you carry our burdens when we humble ourselves. Lord, would you uh, do a work in us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.